0: Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, which contains a dish towel haunted by a ghost, a spooky dog with a human face, the actual portrait of Dorian Gray, and a scrabble board with a knife. (laughs) I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCuller. Let's start out, as we always do, Mikey, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones?
1: Roxy, the scariest thing that can happen to a man happened to me this week.
0: Wow, okay, you're raising my expectations immediately, so what are you going to say?
1: I got a letter from my landlord.
0: Okay, that's actually pretty scary. (laughs) What did it say?
1: They're doing construction (laughs) on our building.
0: Does that mean you have to move out?
1: I am not allowed to park in my parking spot while the construction is going on. I don't know if you know this about Los Angeles, California. Roxy, a lot of cars there.
0: Yeah, parking is a nightmare in Los Angeles, actually. So that is actually a very daunting, horrifying thing you're going to have to deal with for how long? Weeks? Uh, Months?
1: Three months.
0: Oh, my God. Yep. Are you paying for that spot also? Can they like make your rent cheaper because I, you don't get
1: access to it? I called my landlord and was like, What are we doing? What's the plan here? Can I go like rent a parking spot somewhere nearby and then just like send you guys the receipts maybe? Or like, is there a bonus off my rent that's going to happen? She's like, I don't think it's our responsibility.
0: Oh my God, it is though. I don't think,
1: I don't think, I don't think, why would that be our responsibility? The city is making us do this. So oh it was a true nightmare i uh ended up i ended up getting like 70 bucks off my rent i like pushed pushed back
0: the fact that you had to though like landlords are such a fucking menace it's so messed up
1: yeah we're that- listen we're in the scary basement <laughs> we every scary thing that has ever been lurks and mm-hmm. the fact that my landlord is down here <laughs> makes yeah. it clear that she is a monster
0: <laughs> well at least you can feel vindicated with that but uh at the same time, she's just can she she just leaves periodically to uh, ask for money from you. So uh-huh.
1: yeah, she comes down here and she's playing right now. I see her playing with a, a Chucky doll and a, a scythe. And yeah, Skyfe? I guess a scythe. Yeah, that's like a isn't that what does a grim reaper a scythe? have? Scythe. A scythe. What is what? How do you say it? Scythe. I don't know you about say that. Sky- <laughs> I think it's pronounced scythe.
0: <laughs> Are you fucking with me? <laughs> scythe. A scythe. <laughs>
1: I think that's one of those words that I've only ever read and never had to say out loud. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right, Roxy, here's the new scariest thing that happened to me this week. My friend called me out in public. (laughs) What was the scariest (laughs) thing that happened to you?
0: Um, That I called my friend out in public and made him feel sad.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: Actually, the the scariest thing that happened is I've I've complained about this before, but uh, Oregon has a lot of spiders and it is now (laughs) springtime. So it's spider season. So two nights in a row, I've had to kill giant black spiders that have appeared on my ceiling right before bed. Two nights in a row. Maybe I'll have to fight a third one tonight, but I've literally had to make like a makeshift pole thing. There's like some Swiffer floor cleaner thing that my roommate has. I literally will tie, like, a piece of tissue paper to it and then just use the pole to kill the spider on my ceiling. And sometimes one one of the times it fell on me and almost... Well, fell towards me and almost fell on me, and I shrieked and woke up my roommate in the next room.
1: (laughs) Is it hard living somewhere that is every bit as scary as the scary basement?
0: It's not easy. I'm really tired of being a spider hunter and being being forced into combat when I'm trying to go to sleep. But uh I maybe, just, maybe it makes me tougher for when we go to the scary basement. I don't know, trying to look on the bright side.
1: I was just thinking how cool it would be if the next Spider Man movie he fights Craven the Spider Hunter. <laughs> Craven the Spider
0: Hunter. <laughs> Craven's like a Wolverine villain, right? Or No, I don't I know think enough he's about a Spider Man guy I think He's stuff. in the
1: Sinister Six sometimes. He wears a big fluffy vest, looking like Macho Man Randy Savage. I like him.
0: Oh, okay. See, I was thinking of Cable for some reason. Mm. Cable, Craven, not not at all the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little familiar. Or sounds a little similar, I mean.
1: Oh boy, here to break up our nerdy conversation. Number one jock of the scary basement to the demon pot.
0: <laughs> He's wearing a jersey this time. How appropriate. <laughs>
2: This is the Scary Basement, and you should know that jocks are not scary. What is scariest to nerds are other nerds who are overly pedantic. Later, I will explain in excruciating detail the origins of both Craven the Hunter and Nathan Summers, a.k.a. Cable. But first, you were assigned the 1999 film The Sixth Sense, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, and Tony Collette. Did you watch the film?
0: Yes, I watched The Sixth Sense. What about you, Mikey? I, too, watch The Sixth
1: Sense with my eyes.
0: Then great. Good job, us.
2: Good. Then you may keep your souls.
1: Okay. All right. We're doing it. Roxy, do we want to uh, go ahead and start recapping the movie for anybody who is listening up at the scary basement door, has their ear pressed up to the trap door?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's do it.
1: All right. The Sixth Sense. We open up with Malcolm, who is a child psychologist who has just won an award. Good for him. He and his wife, Anne, are celebrating when they are interrupted by a break-in from a former patient. Now an adult and doing very poorly, this patient says that Malcolm failed him and shoots Malcolm and then himself.
0: Later that year, Malcolm's new patient is Cole, a troubled boy. For now. God damn He waited even longer this time. He's, he's
1: waiting longer. I really thought we were safe. I thought we were <gasps> all free.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to jinx it, and then it turned out he was just fucking with us the whole time. He was just fucking time. with us. Great. All right, Great. go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Demon Bob, for nothing. All right. Later that year, Malcolm's new patient is Cole, a troubled boy who reminds Malcolm of his former patient he was unable to help. Malcolm is determined to save Cole and repair his strained relationship with his wife. Malcolm and Cole are getting along well, and Cole is even invited to a birthday party by a classmate.
1: While at this birthday party, bullies lock Cole in a cupboard where a scary voice had been yelling. Cole is terrified of being trapped and screams while the bullies look on in shock. Cole's mother saves him and he passes out. When Cole wakes up in the hospital, his mother is being questioned by doctors and child protective services. Malcolm then is at Cole's bedside. And this is when Cole finally confides in him his secret. Cole can see dead people.
0: Not only is Cole able to see ghosts, but he can communicate with them and they can communicate with him. The ghosts don't know they are dead and are often angry and violent, which causes the temperature to drop around them. Malcolm unfortunately does not believe Cole and thinks he may have some severe mental issues that he is unequipped to deal with as a psychologist. As Malcolm
1: considers ditching Cole, he listens to tapes of his previous client, and when he turns the volume up, he hears a haunted voice on the tape speaking in Spanish, revealing that not only are ghosts real, but his previous client is much more like Cole than he realized. This boy also saw ghosts. <laughs> Determined to help Cole, Malcolm suggests that Cole tries to communicate with the ghosts to help them resolve their unfinished ghost business.
0: A young girl ghost approaches Cole. She vomits and says, I'm feeling much better now. Cole is at first absolutely terrified, but then thinks better of it and approaches her and asks her what she needs help with. Cole's accompanied by Malcolm and goes to the girl's funeral and retrieves a box that the girl ghost gives him. The box contains a tape, which Cole gives to the girl's father.
1: Then the father of the ghost girl watches, first in heartfelt reminiscence as it shows a puppet show his daughter made. But then the video changes, and to this man's horror, he sees proof that his own wife, the girl's mother, was poisoning her to make her sick. And not only did she kill her, but now their second daughter is also getting sick in the same way. Everyone present determines that not only did this woman murder her first child, but she is also slowly murdering her second child.
0: With this action, Cole is able to save the younger sister of the girl ghost, finishing her unfinished business. He also learns to not be scared of the ghost through this experience and chooses to endeavor to help them all from now on whenever he can. Days later, Cole is in a school play and gives a great performance as King Arthur. Malcolm sees the play and congratulates Cole. The two of them then speak for the final time, saying their goodbyes. And Cole recommends that Malcolm try to talk to his wife in his sleep to resolve their issues.
1: Sometime later, Cole and his mother are stuck in traffic, and Cole decides to tell his mother the truth. He'd been hiding it from her, but he says that a woman died in an accident, and she's currently by his window. He then recounts how Cole's grandmother moves a necklace and tells his mother a story that only the grandmother would know. With this, Cole's mother believes him and accepts the truth of the situation. The two of them finally communicate, and at last, there are no secrets between them.
0: Malcolm finds his wife asleep and watching a tape of their wedding yet again. Throughout the story, he's been trying to speak to his wife, but unable to do so. Finally, he watches as she drops the wedding ring she had been clutching in her sleep, his wedding ring, which he thought he was wearing. The truth of what Cole told him before finally sets in. He was dead this whole time, only seeing what he wanted to see. That night, his former patient killed him. And what he perceived as his wife being distant was in fact her grieving his loss and trying and failing to move on with her life.
1: The temperature dips as Malcolm's emotions overwhelm him, but he takes Cole's advice and talks to his wife in her sleep. She's finally able to hear him. They have a brief conversation and are able to say their goodbyes. With this, the final thing Malcolm needed to do has come to pass and he's able to move on into a gentle white light. Boom! Six senses that kid had.
0: He he did. Yes, he did. (laughs) Yep, that's the sixth sense.
1: (laughs) Roxy, you have like some experience with this movie, right? Growing up, you watched it a bunch?
0: Uh, Not a bunch. I saw it like once in theaters as a child, and I remember me and my friend clutching each other's arms and being terrified of it Mm. because Haley Joel Osment's like performance is very good in the sense that, like, you as a kid are very easily able to identify with this kid who is terrified. Yeah. And instead of taking away, like, the part that he finds himself at peace and is able to not be scared <laughs> anymore, I I just couldn't get rid of the idea of, there could be a ghost in your room, in this room right now, staring at you, yelling, or, like, watching you, or, like, over your shoulder, mm-hmm. or, like, you know, watching you sleep, and you wouldn't know. And my kid brain, my kid logic brain just latched onto that and was absolutely terrified. So Can I,
1: can I tell you, um, I had a similar fear of this movie because I, I remember when this movie came out, like it was like the number one thing me and all my friends were talking about. I remember it came out at the end of the summer. Oh, for real? And we were so okay. excited about it. We saw it a bunch. Like I saw it a bunch. I did see it a bunch. And um, Really? Okay. My fear was not that there were ghosts in the room that were attacking me, but that I was like Bruce Willis and didn't know I was dead.
0: Oh, that's similarly a thing to be terrified Horrifying, about, too. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's
1: a thing I, I did a lot and still will do every once in a while. <laughs> okay. This is insane. Um, okay. There's a key line in this movie where Haley Joel Osmond tells Bruce Willis, the dead people, they only see what they want to see. So I would close yeah. my eyes and I would hold my hands in front of my face with my eyes closed and press the, my eyes closed super tight and say, if I'm dead, I want to, I want, I genuinely want to open my eyes and see skeleton hands. <laughs> and I would open them and they were just regular hands and I was okay.
0: I mean, that's a pretty good test. What What else would you come up with to try and fix that, you know, or try and determine that, I guess?
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess the actual answer is I'd have to finish my unresolved business. I'd have to uh, finally have a conversation yeah. with my a <laughs> uh, toxic narcissist of a mother i don't know oh, if no. that would be my <laughs> actual business
0: well if you're a kid uh what would you think
1: of it now coming into it the second time seeing it
0: well because i knew the twist i was definitely looking for things to see like what was bruce willis interacting with and like, how they had the other actors act across from him mm-hmm. you know so i was like very focused thinking about that and also just it there were some jump scares, and there are definitely some, like, scary parts, but at the end of the movie, it leaves you with a very kind of heartfelt feeling, uplifting in a way, even though, like, Bruce Willis's character, he he's dead, he moves on, but he's mm-hmm. able to communicate with his wife, and then Cole is much happier, and his mom actually knows, like, what's going on with him, it's all she wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And also just like Cole himself, like making his peace with these ghosts, he d- he chooses not to be afraid of them anymore. Mm-hmm. So like it, it legit made me cry when I got to the end of it, like in a way, because it was so moving, it mm-hmm. moved me to tears in like a good way. There are um, two like- And I was like, like, how? I can't believe I was scared by this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I would say there are like two transcendent scenes. I cried twice in this movie. Aw. In that I love- the obvious one is the scene at the end where Cole is talking to his mom and they're in the traffic jam. Yeah. And he tells the story yeah. about the grandmother. That is just like an incredible scene. But the scene I loved before that was also with Cole and his mother where it, it was also about the grandma scene. It's a setup to the grandma scene where she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Cole, my necklace was gone. I found it in your desk. I know you took it. Just tell me. Yeah. And he can't tell her because it's not the truth. But he also yeah. can't tell her. And he doesn't just want
0: like, to lie. He doesn't want to lie. So he chooses not to lie, but he also can't tell the truth. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking. His mom is just like, just tell me. And he's just like, he can't do it. And it's just like these yeah. two people who care about each other so much. And they're just at loggerheads. And I completely buy w- both of their motivations, why they want yeah. so badly for the other person to uh, tell the truth. It's an incredible scene. It's not it's a surprise. So Roxy, I think we might. Just be a Tony Collette podcast now.
0: I I would be fine with that. She's great in everything I've ever seen her in. So. She's always good.
1: She's Why great not? in this movie. She, she's great in Krampus.
0: Yeah, that, she's the like titular horror mom. She's the horror mom. Yeah, she's our horror mom. She's our Mikey. horror mom. We'll get that her on. The, we'll get happy. her down to
1: the basement sometime and. Uh, that
0: would be amazing help, like, help her ward no off joke. all
1: of these monsters that we're, <laughs> we're both fighting. She off.
0: would. She'd help us defeat Maybe that's the finale It's how we actually escape Demon Bot in this scary basement as Tony Collette uses her horror mom powers to uh get rid of Demon Bot for us. Can I tell this you here's whole contract business? Here's my
1: fear. I don't want to bring Tony Collette down here because I would worry that Demon Bot would take her. And I no. don't want to do that to her.
0: We would fight. We wouldn't let Demon Bot take Tony yeah, Collette. I
1: would let Demon Bot definitely take you before Tony Collette. <laughs> And' well, probably take me, like I can't say for sure, but probably, but she definitely- she
0: has to come first, I understand,
1: yeah, yeah you get it,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd leave you to die in place of her as well, yeah,
1: no, again, totally understand, <laughs> yeah, Roxy, I think that uh I'll try to quantify this, I mm. would say that fifty percent of this movie for my money does not work
0: I would I, in which way every
1: bit about Bruce Willis and his stupid wife, I think, is an actively bad movie. I hate it so much. I was watching it. No, no. And so that's what was so surprising to me Like later on, especially towards the end. I was like, I am so moved by this because literally up till the 50-minute mark of this movie, I was like, this movie sucks. I hate this movie. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I think it's because this is a movie that- first of all, I would argue, is 100% better without the twist. Uh, And I think going into it, knowing the twist, it's Uh very dumb. (laughs) It's just like a bunch of scenes of him, like, sitting down and her ignoring him. And his wife is just, like, doing her own thing. So here's my thing. Here's my whole thing with this whole movie, right? Okay. You have, uh, imagine this movie, rather, without the twist. Bruce Willis is- So, like, he
0: knows he's a ghost?
1: No, no, no. He doesn't die. He's not dead.
0: Oh, okay. So he is just a human. He's just a normal okay.
1: guy. And okay. he has this patient, who at the beginning of the movie we meet, that he has failed. And mm-hmm. then he meets this next patient that is reminding him a lot of it. And he's like, this is a chance to redeem myself. And then he's got his wife who is saying like, you need to let this go. You're too focused on this. You're ignoring me. They could have a conversation about this. And we've got like an actual meaty realistic human thing that has happened to somebody. He's got a truly noble job that he cares about, but he can't reconcile that with his life that is falling away from him. And so the choice to give up Cole or not ends up becoming, again, like we were talking about this this scene between Tony Collette and Cole, her son, where like they both want something so bad and they're both really real reasons why you would not do it. The Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis stuff, (laughs) it's like, There's no real reason that they can't talk besides the fact the movie decided they want to have this fun little reveal at the end.
0: Well, I think it's showing the two different perspectives because we see Cole, who is someone who can see ghosts, and Bruce Willis, who is an actual ghost, who (laughs) could be like, you know, it's kind of showing that stand in how so many movies just gloss over
1: uh, the ghost perspective. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it well, I think it, it, it's an interesting thing, especially when you see like, you know, there's a part where he's sitting on the edge of his wife's bed and wants to talk to her, but she's like asleep and she's been crying. And like, suddenly the temperature drops, you know, so it's kind of like one of those things where the movie gives you all the clues. So if you know, or if you're paying attention, you would have figured it out way before Bruce Willis did, even if you didn't know the mm-hmm. twist. So it, in a way, it is like a mystery that gives you the puzzle pieces, which I appreciated. Uh, Personally, I thought it was more interesting, especially because his wife has this perspective as well, that she acknowledges and appreciates the sacrifice that her husband made to help children who were in trouble, who were mm. in peril. And she kind of made her peace with that a long time ago. Like, it doesn't... Y- you see it in the opening scene. She... Is, of course, would would like to have more time with her husband, but she respects, appreciates, and admires the fact that he is helping these kids through these situations. So she, like, never resented him for it, and I kind of thought that was better I than ag- just making her be, like, an angry wife or something.
1: No, 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 I agree. But okay. <laughs> that is, then there is truly no conflict in the Bruce Willis
0: story. Well, the thing is, for him, it seems like she has changed, but, like, she hasn't. She just can't. Right, deal with her grief and she tries to move on but she can't
1: that's why i think that this movie is fun on the first viewing but knowing the twist at the end like it's just like we always talk about how these stories these horror stories are like realistically uh, not realistically hyper realistically showing us experiences that we've had in real life and i've definitely had experiences with people where like you can see that this relationship is falling apart and you want to change it and you just can't and the mm-hmm. reaction isn't to, Like, he never changes. <laughs> he never, like, grows as a person. He figures out the little silly thing that happened to him.
0: Well, because his his goal was never to change. He He never needed to change. He just needed to succeed in his goal of helping this kid that he failed. Right. Like, that was the thing that he wanted. So he didn't have two things he needed to do because Cole is the one who needed to change. He's the one who needed to accept things as they are. And move forward, be vulnerable, and like tell the truth with his mom, and like accept the fact that he has this ability and can do something to help people with it. it. It would be cool if we had two characters that had to change in that way, but I think since Cole is there, we don't need Bruce Willis to do that. I agree. And it's more about him <laughs> dealing with like the grief of death, and then Cole is more of the. It's not know, though. It's not. A, it's it's
1: it. not about him dealing with the grief of death. It's about him not well, knowing a thing out, and then flipping a light switch and then being okay with death. Like and that's, and that's what I mean. Like, I love the Cole story. And I think the Cole story works because it inherently yeah. has this conflict all the time that they're spending with Bruce Willis. And like, there, there's like this guy who's like coming to see his wife. So now again, watching it back, it's like, is she openly cheating on him <laughs> Like when he's there? And it's just like, it's so it reminds me of
0: this. Well, It's like when he wouldn't be seeing her. So from like his perspective, he's in the basement when the guy comes to the door. Or he's at work when you know he's not there. So it might look like she's sneaking around or something when and she's not. I, and I think that's why it doesn't
1: work. Because the movie has to do so much work to get us into like little situations where it's like, of course she doesn't realize he's downstairs. Like, the only reason these things are happening <laughs> is because the movie needs them to happen. Because he needs to be in situations where it looks like he's not dead. But he. when we go back and watch it, he's actually not interacting with anybody.
0: I mean, I guess it for me, it was more like showing how she was trying to deal with the grief process. So it was showing how she was trying to move on and everything. I was thinking more about the wife's emotions, I guess, in that situation, because I knew the twists. For her, her husband, who she was completely devoted to, died maybe about a year ago or something. And so she's kind of trying to move on because she knows she needs to, but like she doesn't want to really so mm-hmm. it's like this new guy is coming around and she's like kind of trying to give him a chance, but it's also like, I'm not really ready for this and stuff like that. So I think it informed her and made her a more well-rounded character instead of just making her the wife. So I can understand why you have grievances and don't like it. I personally liked it and thought <laughs> it was completely fine. It did not detract from my experience at all. But I guess because then they're showing their two separate lives, I guess. Bruce Willis's character, Malcolm's life and Cole's life, mm-hmm. I guess. So I didn't really think about it. <laughs> And I will also say the the other
1: thing, um, we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast, but like it so frustrates me when like we sit down to watch Troll Hunter and there's like uh-huh. 20 minutes when they're like, I don't think trolls are real. I'm like, just skip to it. This movie, the first until again, 50 minutes in when Cole says I see dead people, that's when I think the movie starts. That's that's because that's
0: when you start seeing the ghost because that, okay. So we haven't talked Mm -hmm. about this yet, but this is the time to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, You don't know what the deal is with Cole. You don't know it's about ghosts and all that until when he tells Malcolm, that's when you, the viewer and when the movie itself starts showing the ghost, because Mm -hmm. before that you just see reactions. Like for instance, all the cabinets in the kitchen being undone and like Cole has his hands on the table. Mm -hmm. He's obviously very upset. It doesn't look like he's moved, but his mom comes in and is like, Oh, did you move? Were you looking for something? Because she doesn't know how else to treat the fact that all of these cabinets are open mm-hmm. after she turned around. And he's just like, oh, I was just looking for a Pop-Tart. And he says it in, like, the most terrified voice. <laughs> like, he's trying to not be terrified, but he is. And then when he leaves, like, his palms were sweating when they he was, uh, like, putting them on the table because mm-hmm. he was so terrified. Yeah. And so she sees that. So you're like, is this kid, like, is he kind of you know like messing around or like what's going on so they're like again trying to give you clues to what's happening until then yeah when he tells bruce willis then they're like okay now you get to see all the ghosts and you see what cole has been dealing Mm -hmm. with this whole time which is such a cool shift there is one scene that i hated (laughs) okay which one
1: tony collette is like cleaning the house and then she sees all the pictures that are hung up Mm -hmm. of her and cole and cole is like looking at these little like flashes of light
2: uh, and she's oh, yeah. like,
1: oh, what's going on? And it's like this really long scene. They have like five examples. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I just didn't like,
0: even remember that it happened. And yeah, it kept going. I'm it's like
1: this picture and this one.
0: It's ghosts.
1: The answer is ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop it. Let me connect these <laughs> characters. They are, it's just ghosts. It's ghosts. I feel like I'm <laughs> losing my mind. <laughs> it's fucking people. Huh, what's going on with my son? Ghosts. I am gonna die, Roxy, and I'm gonna find a fucking Cole kid. And I'm gonna say, just tell your mom it's ghosts so we can all move on
0: and enjoy the movie.
1: Losing my mind. (laughs) The movie that is
0: your life, Cole in (laughs) real life, child. (laughs) If your life is being a sixth sense, then
1: Cole, just tell her because somebody is gonna watch it in an alternate universe where this is a movie
0: (laughs) and I need it to end. The thing is, though, like the movie is grounded in the real life, and you in real life, and you would not think you would not jump immediately to ghosts. It's just because that's the way the direction is also, being shown. Also, uh huh. Uh-huh, we haven't seen what? ghosts.
1: We haven't seen ghosts. This whole movie, we've been seeing Bruce Willis. The rule isn't fair. The yet. rule isn't fair.
0: That's it not that, that, that once yet. he
1: reveals the secret, that we as the audience get to see ghosts. We've been seeing ghosts,
0: but he's a POV character.
1: <laughs> lose my, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs>
0: Mikey has lost his mind. I think this is the movie that's gotten you worked up the most for some reason.
1: It really has. Well, because, okay, and here's what's frustrating to me about this. Okay. Because it really does feel like this is two movies, right? This feels like it's Bruce Willis uh, and, it's, and so, he's doing his, his silly ghost thing. And it's like, it is all, I mean, they, Cole even has this moment where like he goes, I think it's the hospital scene where Bruce Willis goes to talk to him and he's like, or Cole tells him like, you're bad at telling stories. You've got to throw a few twists in there. And it's like, that is very clearly M. Night Shyamalan's perspective on storytelling. You've got to throw a few twists in there. And that's what's so unsatisfying about so many of his movies for me is that they have these twists that ultimately mean nothing to these characters. And so we've got the Bruce Willis thing that it didn't work for me and is unsatisfying. And then you got the Cole thing that is just like some of the that's just like incredible movie making. Like this whole Cole story is incredible. The going to the little girl's funeral is incredible and emotional Yeah, and smart and- no twists at all. Like, I mean, I guess there's kind of the twist that, like, the mother is involved in it. But it's, like, this very logical. Well, you logical... don't know what the clue
0: is going to do, too. Like, you don't right. know exactly the specifics. You just hear, like, oh, yeah, she was so sick. It's so sad. And, oh, th- did you hear the little ones getting sick? Like, you just hear these conversations from the other people at the funeral. Yes. And then when you get when, uh which, by the way, this actress who plays the, the pukey ghost girl. Oh, I know. She is. Uh, yeah. I she's... know who she is. Was it Mish... is Misha? It Misha Barton? Barton? Yeah, from the OC. <laughs> she
1: is from the OC. She played, um, holy shit, do I not remember this character's name? There is Ryan and Marissa Cooper. She plays Marissa Cooper. Uh, okay, the OC was is one of my I take away your OC shows.
0: fan club card if you could not remember her name. <laughs> I was so scared. you passed. <laughs> lucky lucky like for you. Th-
1: 30 characters total in my life that I know more about than Marissa Cooper. And out of the thousands of TV characters <laughs> I've been involved with, uh, that's pretty high up there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so she, she gives Cole the, a box and you don't know what's in that box. She like slides it across the floor in a very creepy way. Mm -hmm. And then he gives the box like very purposefully to the dad. And it's like, she wanted you to have this. And you don't know it's a VHS tape until he opens it. And then he literally watches it at the funeral with Mm -hmm. everybody else there. This is when, you know, the the entire crowd realizes what happened and he confronts her about it. And so then you know that like, okay, the the little sister is going to be safe. But I think that scene also because the, the mother, I don't know if she's a stepmother or if she's legit the mother. I think she's just the mother. I don't know. But she is by these red roses. And so it's kind of when I noticed, oh, yeah, like the color red I forgot Mm -hmm. is like a big deal in this movie where they use it very strategically for certain things. It's very sporadic. They would even take it out of certain scenes if it didn't feel like it had like meaning or was mm-hmm. trying to like draw attention. So she's like buy these red roses. Cole is wearing a red sweater, I think during that whole scene as well. Mm-hmm. But so that's like the first time.
1: Yeah. Red symbolizes dead people. That is what like the dead people are drawn. To I
0: think so. Or it's just supposed red. to,
1: or, or it's like, or it's like overall red is where, where the ghosts lurk.
0: Yeah. Or it's supposed to comment on something like that happening or being around. I mm-hmm. think.
1: I think that this like videotape reveal is a really good example of a twist that like affects the characters and like pushes the, the emotional story forward and like gives these emotional moments like we earn these emotional moments because this father then has to confront him. And then we get this like kind of catharsis of like the saving of the younger girl like I think that's like a, a like that's a better movie to me than the movie. Uh,
0: I really don't think it was that ineffective it was plenty effective for me I just don't understand why this like the twist at the end didn't work for you you just thought it was too much like it was too prolonged no because
1: because they he brings up this really interesting he talks with Cole about it he brings up this really interesting conversation when he like this is how he gets Cole to open up to him about the dead people thing he starts talking about himself again Uh communication this is the big idea of the movie Uh, yes yeah (laughs) so I guess we're kind of talking about that right now yep (laughs) He says, like, there's this doctor who, like, he lays out the good version of his story. He's like, I've, I had this patient that I failed and I want to help this new patient, but it's clearly costing me my wife. And that's, like, a heartbreaking story. And it wasn't what was going on. He just, like, didn't see the silly thing that, like, oh, you're a ghost. And then he doesn't have an emotional moment. He's just like, oh, I'm a ghost. Okay, I'll move on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well because over. he was he was worried about that because he talks about how like his final words to her are I never put you second like I always cared for you first you were willing to sacrifice so much for my job but like I hated having to do that I resented the fact that I did that I, in my in my heart you were always first right.
1: his story his story is just like spinning in the mud then like he did but he
0: never he never got to tell her that especially because she like uh what's the word I'm looking for not idolize that's the wrong word I guess she, she respected and appreciated the fact that he was putting others before himself as well. So, like, maybe he couldn't have a conversation with her about that. And the whole time you see him trying to talk to her, you don't know that he can't literally say it. It just seems like she's ignoring him or is just, like, fed up or, you know, resenting the fact that he almost died because of his work, I guess. Um, and that's when you learn that that wasn't the case at all. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, they they don't change at all throughout the but story. But ab-
0: it, it informs the communication theme and, like, how they were miscommunicating or at least thought they were. And he was never able to finally talk to her and say, like, you know, I actually cared about you first above all else, despite what I might have done. He wasn't able to finally tell her that until she was asleep and, like, her mind was not filtering out the real world that ghosts can't exist. So she could actually be open to hearing him, mm-hmm. I guess. I think it's fine if it didn't work for you. For me, it completely worked, especially I mean, just fun. because... <laughs> yeah. We but can it, have different opinions on and, and, and things. This is, and this is what why
1: I, why I think it's got me so worked up, is because okay. I saw, like, to me, there are these two movies, and there's the one part that didn't work for me, and then there's the one part that really did. And uh-huh. the question was, like, this was M. Night's first movie. And so it's like, which direction is he going to go down? And I feel like his perpetual fall has shown that he is way more interested in silly stories with like big twists than the emotional character stories that he's clearly capable of.
0: I think that's also a thing that people came to expect from him, which which is kind of like when you set a standard like that, like what The Sixth Sense has, there's no way you can live up to that. People are going to be looking for twists. Like one of the reasons why The Sixth Sense was effective is because you're not looking for that twist the first time you watch it. You don't know what like an M. Night Shyamalan movie is. You're not Mm -hmm. expecting there to be a twist. His name is not synonymous with those things at that point. So that's why it hit harder. But then it's Oh, M. Night did a new movie. What's the twist going to be for this one? Like, that's literally what people came to expect after that movie. Because he
1: kept doing it.
0: Well, I think he probably felt like he had to live up to that, too, because it's what people expected from him. Like, he could have done something different. He was like a young director when this made it big. I don't know. There were certain movies he did where I thought it was interesting where he tried to kind of, like, do a twist on that, like, with The Village. The
1: worst example
0: of it. And then Unbreakable... <laughs> I'm saying he tried to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it was like, particularly like, effective, but
1: Unbreakable had had the same thing happen to me, where like the twist at the end is that like fucking Samuel Jackson was doing all the crimes, and it's like, all right, so <laughs> like he already we already did the story for, we already for did movies the story. like those.
0: It didn't detract as much, and it's more of just like the plot progressing. Yeah, sure, it's a twist, but like that could have been a twist in anybody else's movie, mm-hmm. I guess. And then other movies where he tried to not do that, like I guess. Uh, Lady in the Water. Which like, I never actually you know, like, saw. I don't think that one tried to do a twist. Uh, it had plenty of other things that were dysfunctional going on, but it didn't. And, of course, like the Avatar movie, which uh, uh-huh. we should probably not speak about. God, I, ha- I haven't watched here. that.
1: I love the Avatar TV show so much. Yes, you and do, Mikey.
0: Even though you hate anime. It's, we'll dislike anime. The hate only is anime
1: name. thing that I like at all.
0: And it's just like <laughs> anime influences. I even in anime. But, um... Anyway, that, suffice it to say that he's done plenty of movies where there aren't twists. Yeah. But I I, I don't know where you go from there. If you made this sixth sense, Mikey, if you were a young director, I think he was like 29, 28 or something when this happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You have a movie that propels you out of obscurity where suddenly you're a big name and people expect like, oh, well, the next thing you do has got to be the biggest shit ever, right? Because like you did this. Like, what would you do? Would you try and do something completely different or try and do something... That had elements to it that people expected from you.
1: I Honestly, guess. I would make Unbreakable minus the twist. I would make 90% of Unbreakable. Because I think Unbreakable is his best okay. movie.
0: Unbreakable is very good. It makes me want to rewatch it now that yeah, we're talking no, about it. No, Unbreakable, so again, like, I, I don't know. He I, The
1: the fact that Cole literally states his storytelling philosophy in this movie makes me think that that's M. Night's philosophy. That Like, you need to throw a few twists and turns in and twists and turns are fun (laughs)
0: like they are fun let's not Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that
1: but there is and i think we've talked about this a bunch before this difference between plot and story the plot are the like actual mechanics that are happening and the story is the emotional weight of like what is happening to these characters and i respond so well to emotional character stuff and this is the only movie that like If a movie, like, doesn't care about its characters, you know, we've watched silly, stupid bullshit on this podcast before, Uh and it's enjoyable. This movie has one of the all-time great movies (laughs) wrapped up in a movie that is about what if he was a ghost? And it's like, I don't, I've don't. i never been a ghost. <laughs> I've never been a ghost. I've never, yeah. I've never tried to... Su- but like,
0: have you had someone you love appear to not love you anymore? Because that's the thing. He is worried his wife has fallen out of love with him and does not love him. And then he finds out, no, he actually, she loves me so much that she kind of can't move on. So I need to let go of that. Yeah. So like, that is that is the emotional twist. So you're saying that doesn't resonate but, but with you? But that's the
1: thing. Like, they never dig into that. And when they decide to solve it, they solve it not through him looking at his life in a new way realizing that but like he
0: has throughout the movie i guess because he's able to like save cole and let go of that and then he's able to like realize the reality of the situation his wife was dealing it with because he thought it was something else do you know what i
1: think basically this, this story how the bruce willis story would function well as an emotional story if they were going to do this like the twist is he was dead the whole time and this probably mm-hmm. gives it away and would take a ton more workshopping than just my <laughs> flight of fancy idea but if the story was about how Bruce Willis, I like saving kids, but when I die, no one's going to remember me. And I want to live forever. If, I, if he was, like, afraid of what? death and he wants to <laughs> do something that, like, will remember, make him remember forever. And he gets this plaque from the mayor that's going to be hung in City Hall. And she's like, no matter how long, you know, years and years after you die, you will have made a difference. And he's like, it's not enough. I need to do more. I need to do more. And then he finds out he's already dead and he's already done as much as he can. And learning that that has to be enough. Then his work with Cole suddenly matters. Cause the, I, death, I is, mean, the
0: death is just like another thing. It would <laughs> change his character thing. completely though, because when he I gets agree. that award for the mayor, yeah, the he's movie. like, we can put it in the bathroom. I don't care. And she's like, no, this is a big deal. Like kind of showing how she almost thinks more of his work than he does himself because he- He's like, I appreciate it, and I this was my life's work, but I also know that I sacrificed like time with my wife that I will never get back for it.
1: The thing is, and 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 you and you keep saying this, and I I think you're exactly right. It's like it would change it too much, and the way that they are in the beginning of the yeah. movie is the way they he, are at he, the end of the movie, which is why I would argue that it's not like a functional story. The they didn't learn like how I to communicate. Not
0: not every, not every character needs to change in that way, like well, in a character defining way. Cole did they they, they They all have
1: different problems (laughs) if they're a a storyline in the movie they do like they like and
0: that's why it's just like it's I, i say that like every
1: scene with bruce willis
0: there can be different problems that aren't just character problems though and he did like make a realization it's not that he didn't but you think he didn't
1: no he didn't grow as a character he learned a revelation that solved his problem instantly he didn't grow as a yeah, person. Yeah, well,
0: it gave him different problems, I guess. <laughs> it's like- Because now he's dead.
1: It's like he wasn't struggling to communicate with his wife. He physically couldn't. And but he- that's not about like character growth. That's about learning that you're dead.
0: I guess. Again, I think, I think it's perfectly fine. I can, I can understand like why you had, you took issue with <laughs> it's it. It's again, though. it's
1: cause it's too, it doesn't matter. I've, I've made this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, maybe
0: it's just also because the emotional impact of like their Confrontation's not the right word. Their, their communication at the end, it felt so powerful that like anything that led up to that, I was like, Oh, I don't care if when I was watching it, it didn't stick out that it didn't work, but like, I guess I was so impacted by. It. Their emotional impact that they had at the end, when they're finally communicating, that it probably would have uh, buffered over any issues I had with it. Anyway, I guess because at that point I'm like bawling my eyes out and being that affected by it, so I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) In this
1: moment, that story emotionally (laughs) worked for you at the end.
0: Yes, it did because it seems like she doesn't care about him and everything, but then you realize it's because she actually cared too much is why she was acting the way she was, and she just like couldn't let go. You keep seeing her watching the tapes of their wedding and everything and i think anybody who's lost someone important to them you know it it puts you in the mindset of like what would you do if this person who is like the most important person in your entire life was just suddenly taken from you so instantly like how would you move on mm-hmm. how would you function you know and so you see her throughout the story kind of like limping along you know she's just making these like kind of crappy one person dinners by herself every night you know she can't really communicate with anybody else she goes on their anniversary to like the restaurant where he proposed to her and like eats a dinner by herself very sadly. And like you think they're having a conversation where he's trying to talk to her. She doesn't let him pay for the bill because he can't interact with it. Obviously she's the only one there. Um and then she says like happy anniversary you know and she's just saying that to herself. Mm-hmm. So I guess I I was able to put myself in her shoes too and like that emotionally got to me as well as like Bruce Willis's outlook on it too. I guess so. I guess being able to put both of their differing perspectives together at the end to then be like, "Oh, that's how it was," actually worked, worked for me emotionally. I guess. Okay, I'm. But <laughs> 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 but structurally, for someone that wants characters to like always grow and change for like every viewpoint character, I guess right is that the, well, the consensus. Mike, Bruce, if you have a Bruce viewpoint Willis, character, the,
1: the way you would actually like, break this down structurally, like Bruce Willis is the A story. And his okay. th- th- because we meet him first, and we spend the most time with him. And yeah, Cole he's is like the, the b adult,
0: story. I guess. Yeah, and
1: the like all that time we spend with Bruce Willis, like I think this is a much better movie if we spend it a with Cole or b I, I think you're right that like the wife has a much more interesting emotional arc.
0: Yes, yeah, and we're kind of denied that because so any time yeah.
1: we spend with Bruce Willis glaring out the window at this guy who's <laughs> yeah. it's just like. It, it reads so hollow, on, especially on yeah. rewatch. I'm just like, she's not cheating so, on you. Shut up. Yeah. In the same way that I'm like, it's ghost. It's like you're dead. <laughs> like, yeah. And, okay. It, so and it's it's that same like distance that it gives
0: me. Yeah. So I think I can meet you halfway on this. And like you brought up, yeah. I I wish that the wife's character, like, if if we the audience knew about Bruce Willis being dead, and we're more on the wife's journey for that, maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't figure it out. Or maybe he does know he's a ghost and is trying to get her to know Yeah, in some way. Like, that would be a much better thing to do. <laughs> right. So, yeah, like, I think there's ways to improve it, for
1: sure. That is kind of what I mean when I say, like, I don't think this movie really starts until minute 50. Because once Cole yes. like, lays out I see dead people, it's like, then we can engage on this. Then we yes, can start exactly. to figure out what the truth is. Yeah, the and audience
0: is on the same level as the movie at that point yeah I guess.
1: if he finds out he's dead and then he's trying to like i don't know that's kind of an interesting thing too like he's trying to find yeah. ways to communicate with her from beyond the grave and i guess yeah. the answer is cole cole could just like <laughs> get, drop by and give yeah her a
0: th- like you know that's a good point it would have made a lot more sense i think if cole got more involved in malcolm's story because we have malcolm getting involved in cole's story but cole is not getting involved in malcolm's story the only mm-hmm. thing he does to that effect is just give him the advice to like talk to his wife when like her perception of reality is a little bit different when she's asleep, so mm. she's not like denying the fact that ghosts could be real. And and I would say and that like again, that's like kind of a shame actually <laughs> that we're talking yeah. about. Why didn't Cole like go into his life to right. try and help with that well, when the, he did the that? The Idea with other that ghosts. I think
1: is very powerful in this movie is that Bruce Willis tells him like I have been working so hard to help you, but the way to help you is to help you help others. Like this, it's like this yes. very powerful yeah. like way to progress this idea and. The, the thing that frustrates me is that there's, like, no cost to Bruce Willis for helping him. And so there's something kind of... Well, I guess
0: because he's already paid that cost because he's dead now, right? I guess. And, like, his <laughs> right. cost will just be... His cost will be that he doesn't get to be on the mortal plane anymore because he's figured out what he has to do. And we have no idea mm-hmm. what's beyond that. It could be Oblivion. It could be an afterlife. That's what Who the knows? sequel to this
1: movie should have been. <laughs> <laughs> what Bruce Willis cents does to
0: the Seventh Sense. Bruce Willis in the afterlife. Now I see
1: dead people and also know that I'm a dead person. <laughs> like, what if he can see dead people in heaven?
0: They're, and they're like, "Yeah, we can too. We're all dead up here." Bruce we know. Willis, shut up.
1: It would be very awesome. Okay, Roxy, here's my pitch.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay, the
1: seventh, the seventh Sense. Okay, all right. Bruce Willis is in heaven, full okay. on white toga, halo barefoot big angel wings <laughs> sure and, and he is a child psychologist in heaven <laughs> okay uh-huh and he meets this old patient of his who is also a child that is also an angel and breaks into okay. his house
0: and Wait, uses... the same guy from the opening no it's or a, different a different one, one? okay it's, it's okay, a different one who breaks into his house
1: and he wields the dark substance for which we talk not of and he splashes it on Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis is obliviated because that's what happens in heaven like you're still you still like you died and went to heaven but you still exist but then okay Bruce Willis you're is making
0: obliviated. up all these these heaven rules okay so but there's so some then, sort of substance but so then Bruce Willis you? we cut to a
1: year later and Bruce Willis has uh is holding his side from where he got slightly splashed by the dark substance from which we speak not of and he meets okay. this other little kid okay. who can see obliviated people <laughs> He can
0: see obliviated people.
1: <laughs> that's the seventh sense, and then uh, the the sixth sense happens again, and Bruce Willis doesn't find out he was obliviated because then he would have actually been obliviated. Wait, so if end. he
0: acknowledges he's obliviated, then he is.
1: No, he's not <laughs> obliviated. It's <laughs> ju- it's just okay. the movie I want. It's just the movie with no twist.
0: <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the movie. That's the that's movie. a good
1: idea for a movie. I just. <laughs>
0: Success Mikey success Mikey's <laughs> trademarking this movie the seventh sense about people who are oblivious. and it would be played it would be
1: played by Bruce Willis of course but like uh-huh. the adult Haley Joel Hosman <laughs> <laughs> there <you go>. are <laughs> playing a child and we don't address it <laughs> He's like going to school and like a a kid who's actually age appropriate is cast as like the bully. He's like, hey, nerd. He like reaches up and grabs the adult man's head and gives him a noogie. And then they go to Catholic school together. (laughs) (laughs) Smoothie rules.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Mikey, did you have a question for me?
1: Boy, do I. (laughs) (laughs) roxy in this movie cole helps people who died in horrible ways how would you like to die so that you would have no inclination whatsoever to come back and visit a kid like cole
0: i'd say winning the lottery what (laughs) if i won the lottery right before i died (laughs) or like so wait is cole supposed to help me with my regrets, or I would die, so I don't have to talk to Cole.
1: I think the 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 way you die so that you can just avoid Cole altogether.
0: Okay, yeah. So if I if I win the lottery before I die, so then right. I can so you can pay, pay off, off my all your debts. loans, <laughs> buy my parents like cool retirement house that they want, get myself some cool ass house, and that's where I die in. You know, don't have to worry about rent and all that. Uh, I think that would be pretty great. <laughs>
1: That sounds good. I, I do like the idea. And then like I, the nobody idea. has to
0: pay my loans when I die then because those don't go away when you die is the thing. The well, student loans
1: From your perspective exist. they do.
0: I mean they persist beyond death for everybody Be- else around you.
1: Because each- because everything goes away when you die.
0: <laughs> well, for me, yeah, but that would be a uh, unfinished business, I would feel like, if I was saddling someone else with that. So yeah, Lottery would wipe that out and let me do all kinds of other things. So, here, here,
1: Can I tell you, though, really quick? Here's the movie sure. I want to make before I make The Seventh Sense, uh, The 6.5 okay. Sense. The 6.5 it, it follows Cole still. He's still like alive and helping dead people. And a uh-huh. person comes to him and they're like, hey, I need your help to put my affairs in order. And Cole's like, okay, what can I do for you? And he says- I need a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to pay off my loans and buy my parents a house. And Cole's like, No. <laughs> I can't I can't do that. And then the rest of the movie is just like uh like a fun, like jaunty montage of Cole like getting various odd jobs, like painting a fence and then holding out his hand and somebody like counts out one, two, three, four hundred dollars. Well also if
0: you're if you're a ghost, you can like go places to see things people don't want you to see. Mm. So if you can like somehow see go to the Lotto Empire building, mm. e- skyscraper building they're in. Who knows? I don't know where the yes. Lotto people are. Yeah. Uh, go and check, peep their numbers, and then you go and tell Cole, and then he can take care of that for you. Roxy, it's a heist movie. Yes, it is. You, <laughs> ha- you, ha-
1: you have yeah. the ghost sit and watch while the guy enters his keypad.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: get one exactly. ghost who is specializes in explosions. Oh my one god, ghost god, yeah. okay, specializes- in more
0: ghosts into it. Yeah. <laughs> You build your ghost team. (laughs) When you can do hacking, uh, Wana, who is the face, he's able to like uh, schmooze and talk his way into any situation.
1: (laughs) It's just Ocean's Twelve, except every character, except for Cole, has just like a slight transparency on them, (laughs) kind of see the background behind them.
0: And then we'll cut occasionally to like parts where you can only see like the real world without the ghost. Right. So it's just like Cole <laughs> running around doing things or having conversations. Dude. <laughs> then we'll cut back to see what you it's actually crazy see. how
1: good we are at making movies.
0: <laughs> we need to trademark this one, Mikey. Let's co write this, please. Okay. <laughs> 6.5 cents. I can't wait. What about you, Mikey? What, what would you do?
1: I'll tell you how I hope to die so I avoid a Cole kid. Okay. I, I want to get... Very suddenly, sliced like the guy in Thirteen Ghosts.
0: <laughs> what? I what? Why? Okay, please explain.
1: I want to die so swiftly and so suddenly, and with no hints of anxiety or worry that I don't even have time to worry about what my unfinished business is. Have you heard? Um, have you heard the? But wouldn't said you just that, like, not
0: perceive? You wouldn't perceive that you had died, though. So wouldn't that cause you to more than anything stay around?
1: Here's what I'm working off of. Okay. The reason you want to have like your cattle that you're going to one day turn into steak and eat killed in like a serene way is because when an animal tenses up and has anxiety, it like changes the meat, like the chemical composition. They release like an anxiety chemical in their brain that changes the meat.
0: Oh, gosh, I have heard of this before.
1: And so I just want to avoid any of that chemical in me. So I want to just be walking through a glass house and I want very suddenly to go shink, and then I'm just dead. And I don't get to think about it. And I don't get to be afraid. Because then, like, I think the reason you get these resentments is because you're like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. And I never told uh, Sandra at the Starbucks that I loved her. And then that's what gets you worried. If I don't have time to think about it, who cares? Then it's just like, oh, well, God, off to hell. <laughs> you have already decided
0: that's where you're going. <laughs> well, okay, I'd say that, yeah, if you are able to move on that way as long as you're not perceiving that you didn't die. Because I think Cole says that these ghosts don't know they're dead. Oh, yeah. I would see myself so, sliding down. <laughs> I would like, feel I would be sliding down. Okay. So you'd be like, yes, I am dead. Here's the thing. So many of
1: these ghosts in this movie, The Sixth Sense, are walking around. And of course, you don't know you're dead.
0: Uh, there's a fucking
1: hole in the back of your head, Right. Yeah. Of course you don't know. Bruce Willis isn't, like, looking at his gut all the time to see if he's dead. <laughs> if I am walking around and half of me is gone <laughs> and uh-huh. I'm, like, falling over because my center of gravity is so different,
0: <laughs> I'm going to know. That's I would hope so. The thing is, though, because, like, Bruce Willis doesn't perceive his wound until he knows is the the problem. So you might think you're whole until you have the realization that you're dead. <laughs> That's true. And then you'll be in half. <laughs> Which is
1: why, as I'm living now, I'm constantly feeling the back of my head and the front of my head and just, like, making sure, am I stable? Am I – have I been You know, I I was wondering
0: about that. You you keep touching your head this whole time we've been recording the podcast, and now the twist is revealed. I know why you've been doing it the whole time. You need to double check. I feel like – You moved on from skeleton hands. Skeleton hands. So you upgraded to from skeleton (laughs) hands to checking the back of your head.
1: You, you definitely know better than I, but it's an anime trope, right? Where somebody will, like, slash their sword and the and the guy will be like, I thought you were going to hit me. And then they slowly slide off. Yeah,
0: there's there's definitely a <laughs> yeah, trope like I, that. Yep. I
1: could be a podcast episode long sliding off <laughs> in the middle of it right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, we keep talking about your uh, tombstone that I'm going to plan for you. So when you are fully sliced in half at the end of this episode and die for real then everyone's going to be like oh they were putting in hints before that you <laughs> saw it coming roxy but to be clear know.
1: to be clear if i do get sliced in half you do need to prepare two graves
0: oh okay <laughs> well it'll make it easier to make a puzzle if they're interacting with each other i guess <laughs> yeah. but that's gonna be you better put some more money in the uh coffers for <laughs> the grave Grave fund. Gravestone fund.
1: The grave fund will remain the same. Roxy, on a scale from one to nine, (laughs) since the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely do you think the events of the Sixth Sense are to happen in real life?
0: So I said eight out of nine because we all die someday. And also it's very easy to not be able to communicate with those close to you until like Maybe something pushes you to do so. But I'd like to think that all of us would be able to do that. And that if there is some sort of afterlife, we'll all be able to somehow figure out how to move on in some way. So I guess kind of it, it, it's sort of aspirational. Uh, it would be nice to believe that, you know, when we die, that's not just it. And that maybe there's something beyond that. And maybe mm-hmm. we can still kind of communicate with those around us before we go. Yeah, I know. What about you? I I thought about it
1: similarly. I said a six. Okay, because my line of thinking is like fifty-fifty. If this ghost shit happens, then these events play out exactly the way they are. Yes. If,
0: yep. Yep. If
1: there is any sort of afterlife, which honest to god flip of a coin for me, I don't know.
0: Yep. Same.
1: Then this, the events of this movie are a documentary.
0: There but you I go. just don't know yep.
1: one way or the other.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we're pretty close this this time. Pretty
1: close. Yeah, we get it. Wonder um her.
0: okay so we had a bet last week which was how many ghosts are in the movie total Mikey mm. you said 11 okay and I said 12 and so the actual answer is 9 9 9 Oof. ghosts in the movie French if cool <laughs> learn something new today nine Roxy French.
1: just fucking shook me cool good good <laughs> job <No>. dude <laughs> sorry guess I'll go fuck myself <laughs>
0: new fact i my tone was wrong i apologize
1: uh it's funny because you're the sweetest sweetheart <laughs> and obviously you didn't mean that uh, well, it was funny for you to just do it sometimes sometimes you should just say oh cool dude fuck you and let it linger. okay
0: that'll be my shamalan twist that i'll have to keep in my back pocket just you what never know when i'm gonna drop that <sighs> you never know when i'm gonna drop it that's good so the uh, um the actual answer is nine, which means you were closest, Mikey, with eleven.
1: I did it. I did so hell
0: yeah. Win for Mikey this week. Uh so you've been keeping a total, yes. Mikey. What what are we up to now?
1: Uh Roxy, you have sixteen points. I have thirteen points. We have one tie.
0: All right. I'm climbing so, up catching up. Again, we have no idea what happens who if we want to win or lose or tie, we don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, that's one more tally to put in uh your column, I guess. Whatever that means.
1: Either. I just got one step closer to winning, or one step closer to death, or one step closer to uh, infinite things. (laughs) could could be one step closer to a new Super Nintendo. I don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Boy, howdy. I hope it's a new Super Nintendo. (laughs) I'll
1: be tight. (laughs) Speaking of, here comes the man who would give us that Super Nintendo, the demon bot stomping on over.
2: Congratulations. You have successfully reviewed Sixth Sense. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 2009 film Drag Me to Hell, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Alison Lohman, Justin Long, and Lorna Raver. If you do not, your souls will be forfeit, and I shall claim your bodies as my own.
1: So, Roxy, next week, Drag Me to Hell, Sam Raimi. Yes. Yeah. That's all I know about drag it. Drag Me
0: to Hell. This is, I think this is the first Sam Raimi movie we've watched for the podcast, I oh. believe.
1: Um, I've so. heard that his upcoming film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is a the first horror twinged m c u movie so oh,
0: is it for real? Okay, I will actually want to watch that then. I didn't know that, so I don't know, I don't know if that's true what I thought your big m c u well, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, they,
1: they say that a lot. They're like, oh, The Eternals is the first uh, sci-fi MCU movie. It's like, no, it kind of isn't. Uh, the, like Captain America Civil War is kind of the first espionage. It's a, okay. a 70s so very paranoia vague. movie. It it's not, like, it not, yeah, it, it not is, but not really. <laughs> it's still just an MCU movie, which, to be clear, I love. Uh, Roxy, for next week, we got to make a bet for Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, let's do it. How many times do you think the word hell will be said in the film
0: i don't think they're quite as a machine gun about it as leprechaun was with a gold so i'm going to be a little more conservative and say 10
1: okay i'm gonna go even less than that okay say eight all right
2: the pact has been sealed i mean the bet is confirmed whoever is closest to the number of times the word hell is used shall be declared the winner the winner will receive a 1973 Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight, slightly used.
0: Okay, Mikey. So we have been uh talking about some spooky things because this is the scary basement podcast. By definition, we have to talk about scary things. <laughs> so how about we talk about something that is making us happy this week? So what what made you happy this week, Mikey? Roxy,
1: this is the first time this has ever happened, but the thing that is making oh. me happy is the same thing that spooked me to my bones. Oh. Roxy? They were Mikey? doing construction at my house. Yes. And a few days later, the contractor called me Uh huh. and said, hey, there's only two spots that are going to be affected by our work. You can keep parking exactly where you're parking, buddy.
0: Mikey, you Shyamalan twisted me.
1: Roxy, <laughs> yeah. I didn't Shyamalan twist me because that reveal had an emotional effect on me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it made me feel good. <laughs>
0: feel like there should be some sort of zinger sound effect here. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you actually have your uh, parking spot then. I,
1: I am back to zero. I, I didn't okay. lose anything, but I didn't gain anything either. And it made me, I, I literally felt a wave of relief as he told me. I was like, I'm not going to have to uh, go searching for a parking lot in my neighborhood. I'm not going to have to- drive for six hours looking for a space oh
0: well especially Ugh. because like your rent people just said they'd only knock off seventy dollars a month which is like two mm. days parking in LA it's if that like one what the video game and also that is the equivalent of that as well
1: I would have paid for my one copy of Elden Ring spoiler alert I already have Elden Ring dude seventy dollars a month is not gonna help me Roxy what's making you happy <laughs>
0: Um, Well, we're talking about video games. And of course, I picked a video game thing this week. I beat the uh, second expansion for Final Fantasy 14. Stormblood is the expansion and the ending to it is insane, Mikey. Oh, yeah. The majority of it is like pretty solid. It's like very good. It's kind of universally known as not everyone's favorite, which Mm -hmm. I would agree with that so far. I like the expansion before it more, but I still really like this one. I don't think anybody should be shitting on it. But it was, like, relatively kind of similar in tone until you get to the ending and finally fight, like, the enemy. They have been foreshadowing this entire time, and, like, your confrontation with him is absolutely bananas crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to give, like, any spoilers, but it was very satisfying, and I was, like, yelling at my screen on Twitch with everybody, like, what the fuck? That's fun. It was incredibly fun, uh, and I had a great time with it, and I'm looking forward to doing the next part, which everybody says the next expansion is like their favorite. So
1: is this the Final Fantasy game where the silly man is listening to Limp Biscuit?
0: No, that is Stranger in Paradise, which I would have liked to have been happy about. But Square Enix said that people can't stream it. So I chose oh. not to buy it. <laughs> Oh, really? (laughs) It was a very backwards press release they had. They were like, we won't protect any of the copyrighted music in it, and you just can't stream it. We won't let you because we don't want people to see the story. And it's like, what? Why this game in particular when it was getting so much good press about how goofy and over the top it was? And I even streamed the demo, uh, which... There needed to be more goofy scenes in that demo, so mm. I, I would have liked to have played the rest of the game to see just quite how many, how how goofy they go. Mm-hmm. Demo was relatively fun. I was shilling for the game being like, yeah, I was literally never going to play this until I saw another streamer stream that clip. Mm. It made me want to play it and stream it. Then actually trying out the demo, I was like, hey, I'm going to buy this game and stream it. And other people were like, I will too. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then Square Enix said, how about no, mm. you can't do that. So I was like, okay, then I won't. <laughs> so anyway, Final Fantasy XIV, much better. That's making me happy. <laughs> it
1: does kind of make sense why the Square Enix community manager is here in the scary basement, hanging out with a, a glob with human lips and uh, the uh, pin razor from Hellraiser. Pinhead from Hellraiser <laughs> is his name.
0: The community manager is probably only the middleman. I'm sure it's like the CEO. Roxy,
1: each week... The demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door and keep us from escaping, and yet each week we still escape. This week, I brought something with me to help us against whoever the guardsman is. All right. Roxy, I brought three knives that I'm going to put in between my fingers, like
0: Wolverine. Oh, okay. Yeah, Wolverine situation.
1: (laughs) Did you ever do this when you were a kid? You take like three knives and you put them all in your fist and- like uh, I do that knives. all the
0: time with my keys if I ever have to go out at night. Oh, right. <laughs> you, have, you
1: have that real frightening thing that you have to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it would be much more effective if I had legit knives. So no, uh, I think well, this will be more effective.
1: I used to play Wolverine a lot. So
0: <laughs> just, that's fun. Uh, calling
1: back. Let's just open up the basement
0: door. And oh. Okay. Can you see? Yeah, it's a simple lobster beast. Lo- lobster beast. Okay, yeah, a you've big seen lobster. these lobster beasts? Yeah. All right. Do they have like a weak? spot or something we're gonna try i'm gonna just okay. take a swing and oh roxy i dropped them the
1: knives weren't stable in my hand oh my god you shouldn't you were you not gripping <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: just they were kind of loosely in my fingers
0: okay roxy, we gotta well run. you you got its attention you got its attention we gotta get out <laughs> uh, look at roxy hey how dare you <laughs>